Hi, this is Mike Oppenheim, and you are listening to Coffin Talk, interviews with the living. This is a weekly podcast that explores how our views on death affect the way we live our life. And this week, we have Chancellor Kay Jackson. He's a Georgia native, and he attended Stetson University there, where he played football and studied communication and media studies. After graduating, he moved to China in 2018 and lived there for over a year. And then he fell into writing after a very traumatic experience where he was arrested and detained in Beijing for 14 days. He wrote a book about it. It's called 14 Days in Beijing. And we're going to ask him lots of questions about that experience and uh, his philosophy on life and death and how much that did and didn't change it. So without further delays, Chancellor, how's it going? Hey, what's going on, man? Blessings and balance to you. Blessings and balance to everyone that's tuning in right now. Big shout out to the listeners. They're the real MVP. <laughs> I agree. That was awesome. There's a weird intersection to all of this, which is that um, I was warned by the State Department not to travel to Thailand once for a similar reason, that I could possibly be detained there. And it has to do with my son and all that. And I'm not going to get into it because this is all about you. But that's one of the things that really flagged my attention is that you went through like most people's worst nightmare. So let's just start with it. Um what the hell happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um so yeah, so pretty much um landed my first job uh teaching English to children in China. That's so like you said earlier, so that's how I ended up out there. I was teaching kids as young as three years old, all the way up to fourteen. Um, I entered China on October tenth, twenty eighteen and was out there for six months, actually. I only did, I was supposed to do a year, but only uh, made a halfway through before, you know what I'm saying, things hit the fan. But um, prior to those 14 days, China was absolutely amazing. I definitely wanted to just touch base on that. And, you know what I'm saying, it wasn't, the whole experience wasn't just, you know what I'm saying, terrible. You know what I'm saying, all in all, that the good outweighs that little bit of bad. So, you know what I'm it was a great experience overall. You know what I'm saying, I encourage everybody to travel abroad, um, of course, but if you can live abroad someplace else, I highly recommend it. It ain't got to be wrong. I only lived in China for six months, and I got a full experience of it. You know what I'm saying? So, you're saying, y'all can get out there, man. See the world up and see how much you learn about yourself and, most importantly, life in general. But, um, yeah, so it's April 4th, 2019. It's the day off for me. I'm going to get ready to um, go to an event to meet some colleagues and friends. And uh, we're going to be, like, painting, customizing our own uh, Chinese things. And before I got ready to uh, go, I was like, hey, I'm a free game. So I'm in the apartment by myself, drinking some uh, Chinese wine coolers, smoking some cannabis at my little pipe. And I get done, get dressed, trying to make sure I got everything before I, I, you know saying, I walk out the door. And I hear a knock. Kids see who it is. You know Because guests aren't all familiar. So I look through the people, and there's still three officers from the Beijing police. Of course, initially, I'm sick to my stomach, spooked. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, what they doing here? So I scramble, put everything up, uh, go open the door, and uh, they enter. And the officer up front is questioning me about drugs. And he said, um, I'm from Atlanta. So Atlanta's the city of finesse. You live by the finesse, you die by finesse. So he asked me about drugs. I act like I don't know what he's talking about. Um, just playing the fool. So I try to next situation a little bit more trying to see if he wants my passport just to check you know what I'm saying check my documentation and prove I am who I say I am and I ain't know nothing crazy so I go fetch out my documentation and bring it back uh to him to look over the other two officers were just you know saying scoping the apartment out nothing too crazy um time passes another officer enters the apartment and he has something in his hand so he hands the item to the officer that I was originally speaking to 
And then that officer communicates to me that I need to pee into this cup. So it was a drug test right there on the spot. Oof. I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, it's over with. <laughs> I knew it was over with right then and there. So do the drug test, fail the drug test, of course. Uh-huh. Um, and you know what I'm saying? Now it's about eight officers in the apartment. They ransacking the place. And one officer uh, in particular speaks English fluently, and he's questioning me about failing the drug test. Want to know if I had any more? Well, where I get it from? It's the last time I smoked. You know what I'm saying? Blah, 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 blah. Like I said earlier, I'm from Atlanta, city of finesse. You live by the finesse, you die by the finesse. So me and this officer, we going back and forth. Mind you, I'm still high as a riot. You know what I'm saying? The moment is big. You know what I'm saying? I'm pissing down my leg. And yet, still trying to keep my composure. So every question is officer posed to me. The first thing that comes to my mind, I ain't thinking about it. I'm just blurting, blurting out answers. And it got to the point within <laughs> the interrogation where I was catching myself in my own life. So I knew for a fact he was more than likely catching me in the lie. But you live by the finesse, she died by the finesse. So me and him just steady going back and forth. And once he realized that I wasn't going to give him anything that he could work with, he just made it uh, clear that, you know what I'm saying, the straight is up. I'm caught red-handed. They know I had more. Woo, woo, woo. I'm all right back. I died by the finesse this time. You know what I'm saying? It's all good. I'll live to finesse another day. Now I got to hold myself accountable. So fess up to it. Um, they want me to show my stash. I get up to do that. And once I get to where my stash was, lo and behold, it's already been discovered and it's on display. So I guess they was just messing with me, try, trying to see whatever information I would just be willing to give up. <laughs> but um, they confiscate everything and uh, throw the cuffs on me, escort me out the building, send me down in the police van. And now I'm just reflecting, uh, really just in disbelief that <laughs> what transpired just transpired and tears. You know what I'm saying? As to what's going to take place next, and just to how this whole thing's going to play out, really. Um, but I know deep down in my spirit, I'm going to be good when it's all said and done. I don't know what I'm going to have to go through, you know what I'm saying? But I, I know it won't be nothing I, I can't handle. So, you know what I'm saying? Mentally, I'm prepared for the worst. Um, and I told myself to take note of every minor detail because it's going to be a great story to tell once you're out of this predicament. And most importantly, man, Enjoy this high one last time because we don't know what the hell could happen to us. So um, we get to one precinct there briefly, and then we get back in the van, arrive at another precinct. This one's a little bigger, um, has holding cells, and they change me, uh, change my clothes into some little gray sweatsuit, and they throw me in one of the holding cells with about eight other Chinese um, men. And um, few minutes pass, and they come get me, and they take me to the basement of the precinct to do my official interrogation. Um, and it's very dramatic within the book because they take me to this empty room that's furnished with nothing but this all metal chair that looks like an electric chair. Like, this chair locks my shins, thighs, waist, chest, and arms all in one place. Only part of my body I could move with my head. That's, why I, that's how I did my whole interrogation. But up until, you know what I'm saying, all the way up until this point, other stories, now it was plenty of time to come up with a good story to connect their ass with. So mm-hmm. I gave them my fabricated story. Um, I'm assuming they bought it because they brought the transcription over for me to read it, but it's all written in Mandarin, so I don't know. I just sign it, thumbprint it, and they release it from the chair. Go upstairs to the mugshot handprint, and then they throw me back and hold it there. So now I'm just reflecting on, on everything. I'm Reflecting on what all the events that took place at the apartment, what I could have did better, what I could have said better, 
Um, now I'm reflecting on an interview, thinking about what I could have said better. Um, just coming up with different stories, like that was just different scenarios of how the thing, the situation could have played out. But all in all, regardless, when he fell in the drug test, I was going to end up in the same predicament. So I was damned if I did or damned if I didn't. Um, so just, you know, just reflecting and reclaiming everything. And now my high is finally coming down. So, you know what I'm saying? I'm fading in and out of consciousness now from the uh, cannabis and hours and hours pass. And they come get me from the cell and they walk into the lobby, bring my best clothes and me get dressed. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, bet. You know what I'm saying? So look, this is what happens when you work with these people. Your energy is good. You're compliant. You know what I'm saying? Everything works out of your favor. So I'm waiting for the next set of orders. They have me following through uh, a door that's behind the front desk. And as I enter through this door, um, we in the hallway. At the end of the hallway, it's a small room crowded with officers. So I'm following the, the officer into this room. And as I enter, I can only guess that this is some form of evidence room just because I see evidence bags everywhere. No sense of structure or organization whatsoever. It's just, just ordered. Um, but in the center of the room was a table. And it, on this, you know, in the middle of the table was everything that was confiscated from my apartment. So they... Uh, way the cannabis up right there in front of me. Now, this is an interesting phase within the book because one, as a reader, you're curious to know how much does he actually have on him. Two, um, when have you ever heard or saw law enforcement weigh whatever they just confiscated from you <laughs> right up in front of you? I thought that was just the weirdest thing ever. Um, so that was just interesting. And then three, I don't receive any information whatsoever this entire, well, I think this entire ordeal. As you read the book, that's the vibes you get. You don't know what's going on, and you just going with the flow. You just learning as you go. Um, so with that being said, um, I'm here to tell y'all I did 14 days, and you'll get that as you read it. But um, I received signs and messages from my ancestors and my higher powers, my guardian angels, whatever you want to refer to them as. Um, I received multiple signs from them letting me know how long I would be in this predicament and then how my release would be. Um, and this is the very first sign I received and the only live and action sign I received. The other uh, signs occurred in my dreams. But he weighed the cannabis up there right in front of me and it told us that would be 1.4 grams. Now, for those that partake in cannabis, you know 1.4 grams isn't a lot. Even if you don't partake in cannabis, we're talking <laughs> units of measurement. 1.4 grams of anything isn't a lot. So I ain't really ain't had much on me. But you look at that number, 1.4. It's a decimal. If you simply just remove that decimal, what number do you get? 14. You know what I'm saying? 14. Holy crap, dude. Oh, my God. Now, did I, did I catch that initially? Hell no. Nah. That thing was clean over my head. But, you know what I'm saying? That was the very first sign I received. Um, so they put everything on paper, had me read it like I can read it. I, I, I just found it, thumbprint it, oh and now we get back in the van. I'm like, all right, I've been, I'm looking at the clock on the radio. It's like one o'clock in the morning. I'm like, these folks arresting me at like 11 a.m. Mm -hmm. So I'd have been in custody all day. I ain't ate nothing, ain't drunk nothing. I really ain't even hungry. I'm just, <laughs> oh, they finna let me go. That's <laughs> like, bro, I've been, I've been with y'all all day. You know what I'm saying? I've been working with y'all. There's no way they're not taking me home. So we riding, we riding. And then we arrive at a facility with detail with Paul Walls and Bob Wire. And I was just, I just dropped my head. <laughs> it started shaking. I was like, man, we just getting started. <laughs> so we enter the facility, um, go to the nurse's office, do a quick physical. Um, and then they take me to a room to give me my official uniform to put on. 
I gave me a plastic bowl, a plastic spoon, and then we went up upstairs to the second floor to sell 209 and um, CO opens the door. Now, mind you, it's like 4 o'clock in the morning at this point, so folks are asleep. CO opens the door. Instantly, my psyche is strong by how sale is set up. Instantly, what I see is a huddle of bodies sleeping. In the book, I describe it as a slumber party. It looks, it looks like a slumber party. Across from the slumber party are two Chinese inmates standing against the wall, watching them sleep. Now, with these two individuals being awake, you know what I'm saying? We make eye contact. The last thing they expected to see come walking through this door was a brother with locks. So we just got this awkward moment of just eye contact, trying to feel each other out, trying to make sense of what's going on. And so I take a step into the cell. I do a head count. One, two, three, four, five. All right, including me, it's 16 of us in the cell. I count the beds. It's a number of wooden bunks. One, two, three. All right, it's nine beds. Well, that makes sense why I look like a slumber party then. Um, to the left is the bathroom. It's its own separate room, and all the walls are made of glass. Regular sink. The toilet ain't nothing but a squat toilet. So pretty much a hole in the ground you got to squat over. And the shower ain't nothing but a, a water hose with a shower head duct tape to it. You got black mold coating the walls, mats wow. and stuff lying around. It's not the most sanitary place to say to leave. <laughs> so I uh, looked for the, I guess then I approached the slumber party trying to find a spot to, to lie down. And one of the inmates I was taking a watch wakes two people up, make room for me, and they do. And I set my bowl and my spoon in the cubby up underneath the bunks. And I lay down between these two Chinese dudes. Place my hands on my chest, and I just stared at the bright light on the ceiling. And that's when reality fully kicked in. <laughs> and when it fully kicked in, like, hey, boy, you in here? You don't know how long you're going to be in here. Nothing has been explained to you as far as, you know, what you what's the real specific charges. You ain't really got to speak to no representatives. Uh, nobody knows you're in here. It's not looking too good. You know what I'm saying? To say the least, it's not looking too good. Yeah, I mean, you must have been like... I don't even understand how you would be even able to like be thinking at this point. And, and, and furthermore, when you talked about like your spiritual philosophy and like you felt okay, are you still feeling that? Are you still feeling like the signs from the higher powers and stuff? Oh, uh, no, I like it's, it's way heavy now. Like, you know, I was high earlier, so before it's just like, oh wow, this is crazy. Oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah, I was high earlier, so it was like, okay, this is crazy. Now the high completely worn off, it's like, oh, damn. No, nah, this is for real. <laughs> like, okay, we are like, I'm really in here. But at the same time, I can't get mad or point the finger at nobody for me being in here but me. I made a choice, and I knew the repercussions from that choice. So now that the fact that the shit done hit the phone, hey, man, it is what it is. I got to take this to the chance. You know what I'm saying? Now, moving forward, what needs to take place uh, to speed up this process so I can get on the side of here? Well, chance, people got to realize you're in here. Well, okay, what needs to take place in order for that? You're supposed to meet uh, friends and colleagues at that event today. Um, and uh, you didn't show up. I'm sure they called you and you, you didn't answer. Is that really a red flag? Yeah, not really, but it's weird. Now, when you don't show up for your classes uh, Saturday and Sunday, all hell is breaking loose because now they got to find somebody to cover all your classes. Yeah. Last minute. And our weekends are the busiest days of the week. So it's like, if any, but that's, that's one that you really you can't miss. So, you know what I'm saying? When I don't show up in those classes, oh, yeah. All hell's breaking loose. Because most importantly, one of those colleagues that I was going to meet at that event, me and her work at the same exact school. So I didn't show up to that event. They called me. I ain't answered. Now I ain't showing up for work. And they called me and I still ain't answered. Red flag. Something's wrong. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And she, me and her was good friends. I'm like, she going to know what's up. All right. Boom. That's one factor. All right. What's another? Well, at that time, I had a girlfriend. Uh, of two years, 
and we talk regularly, but she still lives in America. And I was like, shit, when I don't respond to her messages, all hell is breaking loose. So I'm like, I know for a fact I'm gonna have to at least sit through this weekend before I become missing on paper, uh, before I come missing on paper's radar. So, you know what I'm saying? Just take it, take these next couple of days to the chin, you know what I'm saying? Step by step and come Monday, hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> the search for me will begin. So yeah, that's just, you know what I'm that's just my mindset. I was a bit of a prayer to the ancestors. Yeah, and try to get and just went to sleep for the little bit of time I could. So let's like pause on that real quick because this is like a somewhat, you know, spiritual metaphysical podcast. When you're saying like praying to the ancestors and you've mentioned this stuff a lot of times and, it, and we like that kind of thinking and, and to pick the brain of it. But um, can you be a little more specific in regards to like, do you believe that you're a person praying to like a higher entity or do you believe you're a part of that higher entity? Like what, how would you explain your relationship to the thing you're, you're talking about and to? Yeah, and so for most of so those, I break it down like this: most religions you pray, most people pray, pray to a prophet. Mm-hmm. Why don't you pay a homage to your ancestors the same way you praise these prophets that you don't even know? Versus the people that came before you, laid down the foundation for you to be where you are right now, and know you the best. You know what I'm saying? And gonna have your best interest. Yeah, I'm. I'm also Native American, but we very spiritual. We always pay homage to you know, the ones that came before us. So every Thursday, uh, I cook. I got an altar set up with, you know what I'm saying, my past relatives, set, you know what I'm saying, pictures set up on it, you know what I'm saying, water, plants, the whole, candles, the whole nine, and every Thursday I prepare meals, and I lay it out onto the altar, and I pray for them to pay homage, and I did that early that Thursday morning before I got arrested. Oh, that's so cool, dude. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm good. I know for a fact I'm good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I know I'm good. I just prayed to the ancestors. I, was, I just prayed to them. They got me. Now, I don't know how this thing can play out. <laughs> and I also know I'm in a communist country, so everything can go. Yeah, yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? I'm just making sure these these missing saying for everything now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But um yeah, I just so just praying to them, you know what I'm saying? Right. Constantly I'm I I pray to them almost every day. You know what I'm saying? Throughout the as you read the book and as we stay praying to the answer. Always. Just and just for just keeping our you know what I'm saying, our spirits high and you know what I'm saying? Keeping us positive and uh, giving us strength. Yeah, I loved your answer. The golden question we always ask people, what do you actually think is going to happen to you when you die? And and specifically with you, can you tie it into the ancestors and all that? Like, what happens? Do you become an ancestor? Can you explain your philosophy about that? Hey, everybody. I just want to thank you so much for listening to the show. Our numbers keep growing and we have a premium package and it would really help us out if some of you loyal fans would head over there and sign up. You get bonus monthly podcasts, you get a book I wrote, and you also get extra essays and other content. So please head over to MikeyOp.com. That's M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P.com and sign up today. Yeah, you become an ancestor. Um, You enter the spiritual realm with them. So I guess heaven, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We go back to heaven. Yeah. And you pass, like you can't be real. It really depends on if you fulfill your purpose or not. That's what I feel. If you fulfill your purpose, then you truly ascend. Okay. If you don't fulfill your purpose, then you got to try this again until you figure it out. Yeah. So that's where that reincarnation come into play. Yeah. Once you, that's how I feel it plays out. You know what I'm saying? You fulfill your purpose, you ascend on to the next realm or to the next you know what I'm saying? Phase, next journey, whatever that may be, because you did what you set out to do on Earth. But and Earth is one of the hardest places to to feel your purpose because there's so much that can pull you in either direction and get you. You can easily get off track and easily get off path like that. You know what I'm saying? Because there's so much going on on the planet Earth. You know what I'm saying? 
that's a great answer yeah so with regards to that like okay first of all full disclosure i also smoke uh marijuana cannabis whatever people call it and and have most of my life i'm 40 i come from california you know so with that said were i in a foreign country smoking an illegal drug like pot uh, I would know the risk I'm taking just like you did. And I would know the second the cops showed up just like you did, like, oh man, I'm effed. So I, I get all that, but I am actually curious. Do you think morally it was okay with the gods you believe in and the universal system we're talking about? Do you think it's okay to be doing that there? Or do you do you think you actually did something quote unquote wrong and so this experience did have to happen? Uh, I did. I went against my word. Uh-huh. So before, like once I got hired to go to China, you know what I'm saying? I've been accepted the job. I'm telling everybody I'm going to embark on this journey. And, of course, people are like, you know what I'm saying? They scared. Like, oh, you must have come to you can't do, You can't do this. can't do that. I'm like, for sure. I'm not worried about none of that. To be honest, I know this is going to be a great stepping stone for me to find, figure out what's going to be the next phase in life for me. Prior to this, bro, I played football. Vast majority of my life. Embodied a football player. Embodied a student athlete. Identified as one. And once my college career came to it, like the last game of my career, I was at a crossroads. Like, damn, bro, Chancellor Smith, bro, who are you? What are we finna do? Who do you want to be? What like, what you aspire to be? Uh, what do you want out of life, bro? <laughs> what are you good at? What's your purpose? You know what I'm saying? What are you truly on this earth for? I couldn't answer none of that. Wow. And I'm like, got to start somewhere. With that being said, and I was mainly, and I just started applying for jobs. I ain't had no experience whatsoever, bro. I'm just. I, hey, I'm a college football player. You show me the ropes, bro, I'll take it around with it. I got a lot of great skill set. That's all I need. Somebody that's willing to bank on me. And, you know what I'm saying, I'm going to do what I do. But um, And I was mainly applying for a corporate position, sales, marketing, management, the whole nine. I'm getting, I'm talking about many interviews, getting flown out, put it in hotels, the whole nine, bro. Mm-hmm. And cannot finalize, cannot land a position. Yeah. They can't hear me with the same BS excuse. Oh, man, you lack the experience. We're going to go with somebody with a little bit more experience. Like, well, y'all knew that when I submitted the resume. The resume say that. Clear as day. Ain't no, ain't no experience whatsoever. Y'all still brought me in here. Now y'all trying to say, oh, it's an experience? Man, come on, man. But I knew, you know what I'm saying? I've been through this phase. <laughs> Just throwing my, putting myself out there trying to find something and being denied. I've been through this plenty of times. So it really wasn't nothing new to me. I just knew that I need to keep going. Keeping myself out there because I'm a fine stuff. Everything that it told me, no, it wasn't for me. And it's something better out there in store. Uh, forgive me if you did mention this because it was a little unclear to me. But, and again, I'm asking as a fellow smoker, how on earth were you getting cannabis in China? That's my first question. <laughs> who, who was tipping you off or who tipped them off? Like, do you have a theory on that? Well, so um, I get asked the first question a lot yeah bro i'm telling you like when i when i was telling people i'm going to china like they like, hey, you know you can't weed illegal over there. i'm like bro i wasn't even thinking about that that's the last thing on my mind I, i'm gonna move to a whole different country you think i'm worried about some weed i'm not worried about that so i went out there with the intentions i I won't even be able to find it it's it's, it's china they strict you know you're not gonna be able to find it boy was i wrong <laughs> boy was i wrong like, it wasn't even like I was looking for it, bro. I'm talking wow. about, I was high with it. My first five days of being in China, bro. It was it was crazy, bro. I I was in disbelief the whole time. I'm like, bro, I can't believe it. I'm getting high in China. This is crazy. Talk about an adventure. Was it like normal quality? Like the stuff you get here and in Britain and stuff? Or? So, like, we were really, we were, I, really, I smoked, like, actual bud probably, like, uh-huh. two, three times. The whole time I, you know what I'm saying, I was in China. The rest of the time, okay. we were smoking hash. 
we were smoking oh, hash. Wow. So, you know what I'm saying? That was my first time I ever had a hash. And that's, that hash, hey, that's, that's a big ball game right there. So, <laughs> that's why, for the longest, you know what I'm saying, uh, we were smoking hash. That's why we was able to fly beneath the radar. It wasn't until one of the last times I went to go pop some more, and they didn't have no one hash that had actual bud. I was like, uh, I don't know about the bud, man. The hash, it's one that has is a better deal, one. And then I'm like, man, I don't even know about the bud or how the bud going to get out here. But I'm like, shit, fuck it. Let me see what it's talking about. And the bud, and the bud was straight. You know what I'm saying? I ain't smoking no actual bud in a good little minute. So I was high out of my mind. I was high throughout the whole, the 12, the police being there, the interrogation. The whole, that lets you know it was pretty straight. You know what I'm saying? I was high throughout all of that. Um... But yeah, it wasn't even that hard to find. I had two different clubs, one from Africa and the other one from El Salvador. Um, and as far as who picked me off, man, I, but I, I, I don't, that, that's, I get asked that question a lot too. Yeah. I don't know what possessed some folks to come to the apartment, man. Cause this wasn't their first time pulling up to the apartment randomly. They pop up on foreigners randomly all the time. You know what I'm saying? The first thing, this is the third time they put up on the apartment. You know what I'm saying? That year. They the first one, first time was in January. To check uh, my documents to prove that I was who I said I was. The second time was just remind us about some safety hazards. So it was like the third time, I'm like, okay, this is like a routine. <laughs> like they, they just pop up on corners routinely. So I'm like, I had no clue what it, what they wanted. So I'm like, let me just put everything up and see what it is that they want. And yeah, they were on all different types of time. <laughs> wow, man. I, I am blown away. Um, I knew, like, uh, you know, we have a booking manager and we, like, set things up. So I was very excited to interview you today because I knew that your experience was not only remarkable, but uh, if it transitioned you into writing and kind of, like, changed your whole life, then, you know, the way, my perspective is, in retrospect, that's got to be, like, a, a plus point. And it, to relate it back to what I brought up about my experience with Thailand, like, I, I miss my son and I and I want things to be quite different than they are, but I can't lie and pretend that everything happened for reasons I make up retrospectively and, and they worked out. So it's, it sounds like it's been similar for you. I'm curious, um, as, as we're up against the clock here, um, I want to give you a chance to just kind of like give your peaceful mission for the world and all that. But before we get into that, um, what advice would you give to someone if they're ever in a foreign country and they did or didn't, even if they didn't uh, break the law, like, is there, did you learn anything that could actually help one of us if the same sort of horrible, horrible experience happened to us? Like, is there a, a mistake you made within the intricacies of getting arrested and all that? Like, would you sign that waiver? Would you like not sign that? That kind of stuff. And I figured with me <laughs> being a man of color, getting arrested in a communist country for drugs, mm-hmm. my best bet is to be as compliant and as easy going as possible. <laughs> you feel me, bro? You know what I'm saying? I know, oh, I feel you know in America, if I started acting belligerent and getting aggressive, that's going, that's going to shift the whole outcome. So with me being, I'm not even in my own backyard. I'm not going to play with these folks, man. These folks say, jump how high, sir? How high would you like for me to jump? Okay. I'm not going to jump through the roof. You know what I'm saying? I, man, I follow every order that they ask for me. I ain't speaking unless directly spoken to. Yeah, I understand. You pretty much answered it, man. I was, uh, um, I was just, you know, looking for something. You know, it's, it's timely, I'm sure, for you and us, and I hope for your book sales. And I mean that really positively. The Britney Griner thing. I mean, as much as it sucks, man, came straight to my mind when you asked that question. Yeah. <laughs> Watching that go down, I was like, oh, that could have been me. And then I was like, and that was you. You know, in my head, I, I didn't meet you until today, but I was like, damn, like 
the, the State Department was not going to make a deal for a retired college football player, you know? Oh, yeah, no. Nah. Not at all. So uh, for the last little bit of the show, we just always ask guests to give whatever message they want to give, you know, to our platform and our listeners. So it's all you. Yeah, man. I want to deliver this message um, to y'all. And the message is from Nipsey Hussle. Now, for those that don't know who Nipsey Hussle was, he's from South Central L.A. Um, oh, he was a mogul, a philanthropist, philosopher, serial entrepreneur, well-known for his music and his clothing line. Um, and the message goes, long-winded, running through this life like it was mine. Never settling, but setting every goal high. 1,000 bucks on the path to my own self-destruction or success. But what is a mistake without the lesson? You see, the best feature of life is your own experience. And none of us know who we are until we fail. And say every person is defined by their reaction to any given situation. Well, who would you want to define you? Someone else? Or yourself? Whatever you choose to um, be the hard to it. Stay strong. That's beautiful. Wow. Well, Chancellor Jackson, thank you so much. I'm so glad that you got out. I'm so glad that you're here on Earth to tell people about it. And you're just a very positive and good person. And, um, you know, I, I, I wish you the best of luck. And um, please, everyone listening, you can tell the, the man is interesting and he's also funny. And so this book is going to be a great read for you. And to everyone listening at home. Thank you again for your love and support. The podcast continues to grow, and I'm just so thankful. And as always, the number one thing you can do to support my wife and I and my brother who run this show is to head over to MikeyOp.com, M-I-K-E-Y-O-P-P.com, and uh, sign up for free to the weekly letter and the podcast that comes out. And then uh, if you want to go the extra mile, we do have a lot of fees, and it would be really nice to be reimbursed. So uh, sign up for that premium package. You get couple extra podcasts and you also get a book and some other goodies so we love you thank you so much for checking in chancellor thank you again for coming on the show and uh to everyone listening at home we will see you soon and you see that i do